Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Ah, hola. I said you wanna be starting something. You got to be starting something. You wanna be starting something. You got to be starting something. Whoa, how can you listen to that and not get into the spirit? Oh, get into it. Well, hello, welcome to another edition of the Eon Project, where we delve into different topics to bring you, uh, dredge the bottoms of the bowels of... The bowels of society? Society to bring you nuggets of truth and, and wisdom. Historical things. That's what we used to say, right? Yeah, well, something like that. Well, welcome to another edition. Today's topic... I'm going to tell it right off the bat, because we, we never do this, but I'm going to tell you the topic right off the bat. Tease it up. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, mysterious events... And paranormal activity as related to the military, oh. which we've discussed maybe once before, uh, but it's a, it's a it's a very rich topic. It's rich indeed. We could talk about many many different things. Many we're, things. We'll talk about that today. But before we get into the show, I want to talk about. Uh, well, I, first of all, I want to I want to plug another show. Plug it. Can I do that? Yeah, plug it. So we want to say uh, uh, hello to our our friends out there in Indiana, uh, Brent and Luke. Yes. And their wonderful new show, From the Black Lodge. Oh. A series of conversations. And a conversation it is. And we want you to we want you to check it out because these are good friends of ours. And uh, they actually have they delve into some of the same topics that we do, but at a much different much different style. Different style. Yeah. They're, different, they're much uh, more cerebral. Cerebral, very, very cerebral. They're smarter than we are. Yes. So they discuss these topics at a higher level. Much sexier. Yeah. And, uh, and Brent cultured. has one of those mustaches, like uh, you he know, does. Raleigh fingers. Yes, with the, the handlebar. And if you listen closely, you can hear the bristling uh, movement of the mustache. He's a very attractive through man. his breath. So check out from the Black Lodge a series of conversations. You can check it out at our parent site, which is hermitlight.com. You can also find them at all the major uh, podcast sites. That's correct. I noticed you have a large coffee again today. I do, and this is different. What is it? This is a new one. Oh, they have and a new one now. They do, and it seems like every week the good folks at Dunkin' Donuts are coming out with something new. This week. It's well, actually, it's probably been out for a number of weeks. It's called Explorer Batch. Oh, and you know what? I was afraid to try it at first, but after I take a sip, I feel like I should be wearing a pith helmet, carrying a machete, and delving through the jungles of Borneo with Explorer this thing. Batch. I thought I saw that in the uh, uh, the adult film section of the video store. Yes. Well, this is very. It's it's rich. Mm. It's not quite as dark as the Midnight Blend, but it does have a hint of berries. It has the notes of berries and leather, which I enjoy. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be one to uh, buy into all the strange uh, coffee marketing. No, but I enjoy I enjoy trying new things now. I'm trying to you know turn over a new leaf. You know, I've actually uh, I, I'm not much of a coffee drinker myself. No. However, I went ahead and I purchased a new shiny and new, mm-hmm. as I said, mm-hmm. uh, coffee percolating machine. A coffee percolating machine. Yeah. Is that what they used to call it back in 1910? Yeah, it makes coffee. You buy the coffee, the little coffees. Does it have the little glass bottle thing on the top and it bubbles over? You can nope. tell it's percolating? Nope, it's just a regular type. But it, however, it's a dual uh, dual function coffee maker. Your, your dual function. It has a, a regular a carafe, you know, to make the pot of coffee. I know what a carafe is. And then it has a a, a, a separate portion where you can just make singular uh-huh. uh, cups. Oh. And I have the singular one here today. I went with the black. You know, one little cup is not enough for me. I need I No, need... I just needed something warm to soothe my vocal cords. You know, as we walked into the Palatial uh, Eon Project Studios this afternoon, I did notice something. Well, a couple of things. Yes. First of all, what happened to your face, dude? You got this mark on your face that looks like somebody took a swing at you. Yes, I had this uh, growth on my face, oh. uh, and it had been bothering me. It had been going on for quite some time, so I started to get a little concerned about it. Mm-hmm. So I went to the uh, the local dermatologist. Oh. And... Yes, so they uh, they they looked it over, and, mm-hmm. and oh, by the way, it was a uh, a nurse uh, practitioner Ooh. type that came in. Was she dirty? And, and um, she, you know, from what I could see uh, above the mask, 
Uh, she was very attractive. Facial mask. She was uh, she was quite the looker. You know, nursing people, nursing women mm. are very attractive, and mm. I think it's not just because of their physical attributes, but also because they're taking care of you. So mm. you, you know, you, you automatically think of them highly. So the first thing she says to me, well, she asked about what my why I was in there, what my concern was, but then she asked was me, was she the head nurse? She was. Oh, and she asked me. She said, "Are there any other?" Uh, you know, bits of concern on your body that you'd like us I, to take a look at. I can think of a few. Would you like a body exam? Now, here's, oh my, question. My, God. here's my question to you. Yes. Before I get to my growth, in <laughs> more ways than one. What would I? What would she have done if I said? Yes, I would like. Uh, yes, ma'am. I have this uh, strange protuberance on my uh, scrotal <laughs> I need sac. You to, I need you to look at this thing. Would she look at it? Of course she would. She's a medical professional. I couldn't let her look at that. No, that would be a that would be weird. You know, speaking of, before we get into the topic, you like massages, right? You didn't let me finish what my growth was. Oh, I want to talk about massages. Anyway, it's a herpy. Oh. No, no, it's not a herpy. It's some sort of a well, benign, of it, benign thing, but they froze it off with liquid nitrogen. Oh. And it, it, it gets all red and flamed, and then it, and then it flakes off. Do you remember the, mo- the movie uh, Real Science? Yes. When uh, Val Kilmer took liquid nitrogen and he sliced it into little thin things and, and he used to put it in a vending machine. He did. As quarters. <laughs> that really works, too, by the way. Does it? I w- Excuse me. <laughs> I think that was real genius, yeah, too, sorry, by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry. I misspoke. It was real genius. Everybody else was typing an email furiously yes. to correct me. But All anyway, right. I've been told that I'm drifting off the path. Our producer is motioning to me. Yeah, he's waving his hand over he's there. telling me that I've got to jump into the topic. So anyway, we're going to jump into the topic now. That's cool with you. Go for it. So our topic today is going to be military weirdness, including paranormal activity and things of that sort. Mm. And the first stop on our lovely world tour is going to be... The lovely island of Okinawa, Japan. Oh, hey, Rakatone. You know Okinawa. Oh, you know it intimately. I, I do. Many people know that Okinawa is an island. Well, many people know it's part of Japan. A lot of people don't know it's an island. But you and I know it pretty well. A lot of, a lot of people who served in the military, especially the Marine Corps, know uh, Okinawa. It is a stop, almost a required stop on anybody that does any length of time in the, in the Marine Some Corps. people may know it from Karate Kid Part 2. That's correct. Uh, I don't think it was actually filmed in in Okinawa. I don't think so, unfortunately. And you can't tell if it smells like pig poop on the on the uh, on the movie. But anyway, so the island of Okinawa is, was the site of an extraordinarily fierce fight uh, in World War II, where uh, many people many people died. Upwards of uh, twelve thousand five hundred U.S. combat deaths, about one hundred and ten thousand Japanese combat deaths, and then another one hundred and fifty thousand or so civilians dead. Mm. That's a lot of people on a small island. So it was, it was actually very strategically important to the United States war effort as it was uh, the closest landing strip that we could have toward, towards uh, mainland Japan. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the largest amphibious assault in U.S. history? Um, I'm not sure if uh, D-Day was probably larger. Mm, I don't know. But I think Okinawa we... was pretty up there. But anyway, so the island of Okinawa, and you and I both spent some time there, but uh, because of all the deaths there and because of all the, the not even before that it's been it was hotly contested back in the Japanese feudal times Ooh. people think that the island is haunted and there's a number of locations uh, in in and around Okinawa that are considered to be haunted and one of them is near and dear to our hearts uh, and that would be Kadena Air Base ah, yes. remember Kadena Air Base I do what do you th- what, what do you remember about Kadena Air Base? I remember uh, a a place that we were uh, banned from going. Uh, a few <laughs> different things. There's a, there was I'm going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> a place called Whisper Alley, right outside the gate there. Ooh, what did they we call were, it? That we weren't allowed to go down. We went there anyway. Strange shenanigans. It Shenaniganry place. that took place. And yeah. then we were also banned from the uh, the E Club on the on the base. That's correct. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So anyway, uh, Kadena Air Base was built in 1945. It was originally known as the Yara. Hikojo Airfield. Oh, it is home to the United States Air Force 18th Wing and the 353rd Special Operations Group, which sounds pretty cool. 
uh, along with a really cool enlisted club on Kadena, which uh, back in 1997 uh, we were banned from. Yes. You and I personally, but also the rest of the Marine Corps was banned. That's correct. And that's because, well, first of all, anything that's on an Air Force base is going to be infinitely better than the same facility on a Marine Corps base. That's just kind of how it is. Exactly. And the enlisted club on Kadena Air Base was world famous for having attractive women in it. Because there weren't any in the Marine Corps ones. Now, there was a few, but not very many, and most of them were married. But anyway, so uh, Marines were uh, banned from the enlisted club on Kadena Air Base sometime in the 1990s because of a famous incident. Do you, do you recall what that incident was? I do. A drunken Marine who was in the E-Club legally at the time legally got too drunk, yep. decided to stand on and urinate all over the bar. That's correct. He stood on the bar and urinated on everyone. Yes. So he ruined it for everyone. We weren't allowed. However... One fine day in 1997, you and I snuck into the enlisted club with the help of an enlisted Air Force person. That's correct. Who uh, let us in a side entrance. <laughs> he let us in the fire escape he let us exit. In the fire, fire and it, exit. And the alarm didn't go off, shockingly. No. And we had a great time, and we had to deny that we were Marines, even though you could probably tell. Yeah. Anyway, so Canadian Air Base is pretty, pretty wide, uh, pretty big base. Uh, but at the northeast corner of the base <clears throat> is Gate 3, oh. which is a standard-looking military gate. Now... Uh, those of you who have been in the military and, and have gone through many a gate, but those of you who have served as military police officers like you and I have, no gates intimately. Uh, standing gates is one of the things that you do when you're a new police, uh, military police officer. You get stationed at the gate. Uh, usually it's a 12-hour shift, and it sucks. Yes. But basically what you do is you check IDs and you wave vehicles on and you issue passes and things of that sort and a lot of times you're by yourself and it kind of responsible for overall security of the uh, of the traffic control point yeah they really just want to put people out there and, yes. and man the gate but anyway so gate three is a standard looking military gate not a well-used entrance this gate was staffed with united states marines because well guard duty marines do guard duty it's one of the best things that they do guard duty they're usually good guards uh but since being open gate three has had a long and disturbing past filled with supposedly ghostly activities Ooh. supposedly so bad that Marines refuse to stand the gate, which I don't believe for one second. Uh, because no. what would happen if you, let's say you were in a briefing room uh, at Kadena Air Base with the, in the Marine Detachment, and the, the, the watch commander says, all right, uh, PFC J, you're going to go stand gate three. What, and what would happen if you said no? Uh, I would pr- proceed to be grabbed by the scruff of my neck by some crusty old <laughs> gunnery sergeant, and yeah. he would rip me a new one. He would probably just make you go stand there for a double shift yes. instead of not doing one. But anyway, so supposedly the, the rumor is is that no one wants to stand the gate. But the the activity that runs at the gate, uh, activity at the gate runs the gamut, I should say. Uh, but here are some highlights. One of, the, one of the most seen and re-seen, which I don't think is a word, uh, apparitions is a bloodied soldier in oh. World War II attire that walks up to the gate guards and asks for a light of his cigarette. A- an American soldier. An American soldier, okay. and then vanishes. Okay. Which, that would freak you out, right? If you were standing at a gate and somebody in bloody yeah. clothes walked up. What would be the first thing you think? It's like an intruder well, or somebody, something. Yeah, somebody's messing with you. Yeah. And then other reports are that spectral Japanese infantrymen sneak up on the guards. Mm. That would be even scarier. That would be bad. Imagine if you're out there by yourself. You know, like I said before, a 12-hour shift. And let's say you're working the night shift, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., and it's like 3 in the morning because always paranormal activity takes place at 3 in the morning for some reason because mm. it does in the movies. And the uh, spectral Japanese soldiers sneak up to, sneak up on you at the post. What would you do? And you hear them screaming banzai. And, yeah. uh, you'd well, be, you'd have to do something, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd have to be, challenge them. Well, somebody did one time. So supposedly there was a negligent discharge at oh. Gate 3 where a Marine military police officer discharged his weapon uh, when he was startled by 
uh, these spectral Japanese infantrymen, which it would be hard not mm. it would be hard to uh, fault him if you know he he thought he was getting attacked maybe. Well, let's let's look at uh, let's look at what we know about paranormal activity, yes. right? Okay. What are the what are the, one of the places that it, that we know that it or that we think that it manifests, right? Uh-huh. Places around extreme emotionally, uh, right? Emotional events, mm-hmm. uh, lots of tragedy, mm-hmm. and we know that uh, that occurred there. Yes, d- different parts of the island. Yes, different parts of the island. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But yeah, so Gate Three uh, was so bad that supposedly they well, it actually is shut down now. It is not manned. Mm. It is an unmanned gate, and again. Are these stories true? Maybe. Maybe maybe somebody saw something weird once. Uh, but this this particular one has a little bit of evidence attached to it. Oh. You can actually go online and look up Gate 3, Kadena Air Base. There's a video of a shadow person oh. that was caught on CCTV in 2008. And you can actually see it. Uh, looks like it's hiding behind a sign. Hmm. And then it just takes off. Really weird. It's actually a weird video. You know, it's uh, one of the things that happens, and I, I don't know if Mike remembers this, but when we were there, um, there is the occasion that, that uh, bones, skulls, and things of that sort... I'm going to talk about that in a minute. ...wash up on the shore. You're stealing my oh, thunder. sorry. The, the next thing <laughs> on our tour of Okinawa is the suicide cliffs. Oh. So during the Battle of Okinawa, when it became clear that the Marines were going to take over the island, many Japanese defenders decided that they were either going to fight to the death or they were going to commit suicide rather than be taken alive. Rumors also started spreading that the Marines would eat people if they caught you including the civilians and children so what happened was people ended up jumping off cliffs over the ocean in many cases holding their kids in their arms rather than surrender to the to the marines what they didn't know is that they probably would have been treated pretty nicely exactly uh and let go at some point uh but to this day to jay's point skull and bones skulls and bones occasionally wash up now this actually happened to me Mm. one day uh I, i was patrolling the base camp schwab which is in the northern part of okinawa which is an uh, infantry base and we had a report of a body found which doesn't happen every day so i was very really pumped up you know i got something cool to do oh yeah so i go to the it was called the camp guard station which was at the front yep. uh, of the gate uh, where some some camp guards were and there was a skull there and it was sitting in one of those inboxes you know like in somebody's office oh yeah somebody found a like a human skull and didn't know what to do with it so they put it in the inbox that's a waited good place for, for it. waited for me so i go there and i go yep that's a skull all right what do I do now? You didn't know what to do. <laughs> I had no idea what to do. So what did I do? When, what do you do when you're a, a young a young uh, military person and something out of the ordinary happens? Well, you immediately call someone higher rank you. call than somebody you. who's smarter than you to come and handle it, <laughs> and which is what I did. I called the investigators, and they came over. Um, and what the first thing is they have to determine if it's a missing person mm. or not. And there were no missing person reports. So basically what we assumed, the, the result of the investigation was that it was a a skull from World War II that had finally washed up, mm-hmm. you know, 60 years later or whatever the, whatever the, uh, yeah, 55 yeah. years later, yeah, which is weird, but supposedly that there's, there's lots of underground caves around Okinawa and some of the bones and stuff could have got caught in there. And then, you know, the, the surf kind of churns it up. Sure. Every once in a while, one washes up. That happened to me. Yeah. So, uh, a cool place, Okinawa, I would say. It is very cool. It's it's neat to visit. I wouldn't want to live there, Probably though I did. Probably never visit there again. Wouldn't, no, no. Because it's too expensive to get there, and there's not much to do Not much otherwise. to do there. A lot of drinking, which, you know. Did you know that there's an aquarium, uh, a, a <laughs> Japanese aquarium on the base, a public aquarium? Did they eat all the fish? That has whale sharks, or a, at least a whale shark in it, in captivity? On the base? Not on the base. No, oh, no. I'm a sorry. civilian, Japanese oh, no, no, civilian. I, I did not uh, know that. No. Yeah, yeah, it's in Naha, I believe, which is oh. the southern part oh, of the Oh, Naha. Mm. Yes. Anyway, so if you ever want to visit Okinawa, go. It smells like pig poop. 
pig poop. So speaking of pig poop, what do you think about, and, and I'm wearing one today, what do you think about the hooded sweatshirt as a, as a clothing uh, item? I enjoy the hooded sweatshirt. It's very comfortable. I'm glad that it has made a resurgence mm. over the years. It used to be, you know, gym teachers yes. would wear a hoodie. Yes. Uh, but now everybody wears hoodies. So I like the hoodie. I've got a few different hoodies. There are. Uh, they have a nice warm. one on today. They're versatile. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. Oh. Have you ever walked out in public with the hood actually on your head? If it's raining. If it's raining. But just for a brief moment, Just right? until I get to my car. That's one of my pet peeves. And I see it a lot. You know what just I see People walking around with the hood on? Walking around with the hood on. Like they're an assassin or something? Yes. Mm. I see it in the gym. They put People put the hood on. And they work out entirely with the hood on. You the know hoodie. the stupidest thing I've ever seen? Is these, these jerks who go to the gym and they lift weights, right? Mm, mm. And they wear a sleeveless hoodie, oh. which is a, you know, a hoodie with no yes. sleeves, and they wear the hood on it. Why with would somebody do something big time so stupid jerks. like that? Yeah, I have many sleeveless mm, hoodies. Mm-hmm, I know. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to World War II. Ooh. I'm going to Europe. Ooh. You ever heard of Europe? I've heard of it. Been there twice last year. Twice last year. You ever heard of the, the 90s, uh, up, well, it's, they originated in the 90s, alternative music band, the Foo Fighters? I've heard of the Foo Fighters. Yes. 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 It, it, it's, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is a very talented uh, multi-instrumentalist, vocalist. Now, where did he come? He, he started with Nirvana, correct? He was the drummer in Nirvana. The drummer yes, for Nirvana. Is he the drummer for Foo Fighters, or is he a different? Uh, no, he's oh. not the drummer. for. He's the uh, lead singer and lead guitar player. So he's multi-talented. Player. He's multi-talented, although he does get behind the skins on occasion. Ooh. The yeah. skins meaning the drums to Correct. those uninitiated. Skins. Yes, that's right. I play the skins too, but it's a different thing. Oh, skin flute. Moving on. So, Foo Fighters was actually a, a UFO term. Yes. That was coined uh, during World War II mm-hmm. when uh, American and uh, British pilots began seeing strange lights in the sky. Ooh, and, you know, World strange. War II, wartime. Yeah. Lots of strange things in the sky. Sure. Lights and uh, flying crafts and mm-hmm. uh, uh, dirigibles and things of that sort. All sorts of manner of aircraft flying about. Exactly. Yeah. And you never know what it is. You never know what it is. And um, I don't know. I wasn't a pilot. This was probably one of the the uh, you know the f- main time frames where a lot of these uh, strange anomalous uh, things were being seen in the sky, mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, English and British, or excuse me, English and American pilots were seeing these lights in the sky, initially thinking they were German or maybe Russian aircraft. Well, well correct me if I'm wrong, but the Germans were at that during World War II were were currently. Were, were working on rocket technology. They were. And they were testing those type of aircraft. They were so they testing, might have seen stuff yeah, like yeah. that flying like about. Like the V-2 rocket and right. all that. However, as they as the pilots would try to approach these things, they would take off uh, in strange directions, taking Whoa. weird right angles and turns, mm-hmm. uh, speeding off at uh, you know speeds that were not uh, conceivable at the time. Right. And uh, they coined the term Foo Fighters. Where did that come from? I don't know. I couldn't that find like that. a stupid name. It's interesting name. It seems though. like our our fighting men and women. Well, there were no women fighting, but the fighting men yeah. could have come up with a better name than. So apparently, there there's there were times where these these pilots would try to get into these uh, dog fights with them. Of mm-hmm. course, to little little to no success. I was going to say they try to engage them, but they they, they couldn't get to... close enough. They right. couldn't uh, identify the craft specifically. But but uh, are there any cases where the Foo Fighters shot down American craft? None that I'm aware of. Yeah. So so you have to imagine again. We're not doing a UFO show today. I know we were going to do one. Uh, we didn't do it yet, but if just to just to jump on that real fast, mm. if the if UFO phenomenon were actually let's say they're extraterrestrials or some sort of advanced civilization, they could probably just shoot us down with no problems, right? They could, but they're not doing that. Well, that's true. So what's the point? I don't know. I don't either. So anyway, that that's kind of a trend that has has uh, permeated the military through the course of aviation, modern aviation, really, mm-hmm. and something that we're going to delve into on a UFO show. Do you have the heaves again? Just slightly. What, what's up with the heaves, dude? It's just black coffee. It's I love coffee. Black this coffee. hot coffee's doing it to me. 
Well, so we, we talked about Foo Fighters. Are you done with the Foo Fighters? I'm done with the Foo Fighters. Okay. So let's let's actually backtrack. We're going to backtrack. We're going to go to World beep, War One, where it's actually the first uh, modern war, if you will, mm-hmm. where uh, pilots or, or airplanes were readily used, right? Mm-hmm. So who is... Here's a question for you. This, today's going to be a, a day of questions for you. I love questions. I'm going to check, check your general knowledge of things. I'm kind of I'm smart sometimes. What was the name, or the nickname, I should say, even if you know the real name, you can give that as well for bonus points. Mm. The famous German World War One fighter pilot. Uh, that would be Baron Richthofen. Is it Richthofen? Yeah. Are you sure? Or is it Rickenbacker? No, Eddie Rickenbacker was an American. Oh. Baron Richthofen was mm. German. What was his nickname? The Red Baron. That was the Red Baron. Yes. He flew a Fokker you. Wolf. Fokker Wolf. Watch your mouth. Yes. Supposedly, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Red Baron. Mr. Had, Red uh, Baron. Mr. Baron. <laughs> had 80 confirmed kills over the course of That's his a lot. Uh, combat flight career. Yes. And back then, uh, you know, they had very rudimentary uh, ways to shoot down the enemy. Yes. They actually had these things called interrupters. Have yes. you seen this? It would stop the propeller so that you didn't shoot your own propeller off. Well, it would shoot in between yeah, right. as the propeller was turning. It had to be timed correctly. Exactly. Time yeah. per- otherwise, you'd shoot your propeller off. Yes. So anyway, apparently he shot down 80 uh, enemy planes during during the course of his uh, illustrious career. And he was shot down in a weird way. He was shot down, and nobody ever really could figure out how or why he got shot down. I think they, I know that It was story. a uh, mysterious event. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been any number of reasons. could have been a paranormal reason. could have been mm-hmm. one of these Foo Fighters, an early Foo Fighter, oh. that may have shot him down. I had heard a story, though. Are you going to tell the story? Well, apparently a Canadian pilot named Roy Brown was mm-hmm. the one that... Uh, had taken credit for his... Well, there was a couple people that took credit. Yes. That one, and then there was also a story where an infantryman was on a hill. Yes. And he he, he had a really, really well-aimed rifle shot that took the Baron down. Sure. So we don't actually this, know. This Roy Brown character, who was Canadian, who the Canadians are not known for their uh, honor and integrity. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, his, eh? Apparently his story didn't hey, make much sense. Hey, we have people sense. from Ontario that listen to the show. Uh, so they couldn't attri- we could never officially attribute it to anybody, so it's some kind oh. of one of those strange events. But So was he killed? When the, he when was the, killed. Oh. And he was so well respected by mm-hmm. the enemy, is that uh, which would have been the Americans and the French yes. and the British, uh, we actually helped uh, uh, give him a, a good send off uh-huh. on the battlefield when they when he was when they recovered his body. Hmm. Speaking of World War One, have you did you watch the uh, the the famous movie that came out last year, nineteen seventeen? Great. First of all, it's a great movie, but uh, I've seen it a couple of times, mm. and you know, it, it it's one of those movies that transcends. Mm-hmm. Not it's not it's not it is a military movie, but it's more than a military movie. Yes, it's a, it's very good. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's a Sam Mendes movie. The cinematography uh, is amazing. Uh, how they went—it's basically an uncut film, is it, what it, it appears, appears to, to be. be. Yeah, it appears to be. So uncut. once the movie starts, you follow these soldiers from yeah. the beginning all the way to the end, and it looks like one continuous. It, so it's a real time. Exactly. I like real time movies like that. Everything takes place, you know, as as the world turns. You know what was not a good real time movie? What? Uh, a 1996 Johnny Depp film called Nick of Time. <laughs> wow, like the, Nick, was, was his name Nick in the movie? It was supposedly a real time <laughs> movie, and he had was tracking like the uh-huh. clock was t- clock ticking down. Okay, supposedly uh, never saw it. Not good. Not really a good movie. All right, you want you want to drop one on me? I, I'm gonna go before I go. You ever you ever been yawning? You've been mm. so tired that you yawn and you yawn too hard, mm. and then the bottom of your neck muscle Ooh, like ruptures and it stiffens, and it feels like you're gonna die, yeah. and it's like the worst pain you could possibly imagine. What is that? Well, you, clearly your jaw is not trained to open wide. Clearly it is. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I'm moving on. So I'm moving from, we moved from World War One. Uh, excuse me, World War Two to World War One. Yep. Now we're going to fast forward oh. to the war in Afghanistan. You're familiar with Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, right? I've heard of it. It's a rugged land replete with mountainous regions. We still have folks over there, by the way. Mm. People forget that. We still got folks over there. It's 2021. 
fighting it continuously. It's time to bring those folks home, I think. But anyway. uh, So after the invasion of Afghanistan in the early 2000s, it became a regular duty of special ops teams to go up into the mountains of Afghanistan and search for high-value targets, an HVT, Mm. to those who are in the know. So after a few months of, uh, you know, after the invasion, they send these special ops teams up in the mountains, they start looking for these, these targets. But after a few months, rumors began to spread that one of these teams that went up there encountered something in the mountains of a paranormal nature. Oh. Although the details were scarce, the rumors began to fly that if you had to venture into the caves way up in the mountains, remember to aim high. That was the, the, the advice that was given out to uh, units that were in the area. Why, you ask? Mm. Aim high used to be the name of the, the, the slogan the for the Air Force. Yeah. Let's say they were telling the ground guys, if you have to go in the mountains, make sure you're aiming high. That sounds a little weird, right? That would give you a little bit Aiming of, high, like altitude-wise? No, like aim high, like when you have to shoot somebody, oh. make sure you aim high. Gotcha. Which is weird. So... Starting a few years ago, this was, that was back in the early 2000s, but up, up uh, around 2008, accounts started to make their way around military circles of a, uh, a special ops mission that went wrong. It goes like this. You ready for the story? I'm ready. Special ops group went up into the mountains and vanished, which is odd. Where'd they go? We don't know. So a second group was sent out to go look for them, and they started poking around the caves around Kandahar, which is in Afghanistan, and... They, uh, so they started looking, you know, try, try to track down where this team may have gone, uh, where they were last contacted. So they, they found a cave up in, way, up into the, way up in the mountains, and they noticed human remains near the front, some bones, oh. things of that sort, which is scary. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a horror movie start, but supposedly this is true. So they see some remains. All of a sudden, they hear a murderous roar. Oh. And out of the front of the cave comes a 10 to 12 foot tall, flaming red hair giant. No carrying a giant spear. Oh. So, what do they do? What, 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 what would you do if you were a special ops unit and a 10 to 12 foot giant with a spear come running out of a cave? Well, two to the body, one to the head. You would start shooting, and that's yes. exactly what they did. So they started shooting the thing, but the rounds seemed to have little impact, at least initially. So the thing goes nuts and impales an officer on its spear. Some guy named Lieutenant Dan, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name, Lieutenant Dan. Hey, so, real quick, what was the name of that? It reminds me of the giant from, uh, was it Rudolph? What was that that Christmas movie with the uh, the red-haired giant that came out of the cave? It wasn't a red-haired giant. Yeah. It was the abominable snowman. He didn't have red hair. No, no, there was another Christmas movie. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so the, so this thing impales an officer on the, on its spear. So the team shifts fire, and they start aiming uh, to the head area. Oh. And they succeed in almost decapitating it. They, they shoot the crap out of it. So the thing's dead. So one of their guys is dead. They found the team's remains. They're dead, and now this giant is dead. So they call for an evac, and a helicopter arrives and carts the wounded. The wounded. Uh, some of the guys got wounded mm. during the uh, the fight with the giant. And then a second helicopter comes, one without inser- with no service insignia. That's always a bad sign. Right? Oh, you got the heaves now. I did. I did. I just had the hiccup. So the second helo comes, no uh, no rank uh, service insignia, and they cart off the giant. And some high-ranking douchebag comes and tells the team, never mention this incident again. Oh. So this that started to um, make its way a few years ago. And there's one supposed member of the rescue team that has come forward. But he only gives interviews in secret. So he doesn't he doesn't want to, you know, involve mm. the, reveal his name. But supposedly he does interviews with this guy named L.A. Marzulli. You ever hear of him? No. He is a, he looks like, if you had to imagine a used car salesman of the paranormal, <laughs> that's what this guy mm. looks like. He's got like the stringy hair. Yeah, he's weird looks looking. Looks slimy. He's yeah, he looks very slimy. He talks really weird. Yep. 
And uh, anyway, so this guy, L.A. Marzulli, supposedly lands this interview with this guy who's one of the one of the special ops guys. And conveniently, L.A. Marzulli sells movies about this kind of thing. Of course. So so take that for a uh, with a grain of salt. But L.A. Marzulli's theory is that this is a nephilim, which is the supposed offspring of fallen angels and human women. Yes. From back in biblical days. Correct. Because human women are very very good looking. I find them to be. You know that's a, that's actually a uh, a prevalent theory in alternate you know the alternate uh, history realm. Yes, is the the giant theory that the the, yep. the Earth was once populated by giants. Yeah, um, and supposedly that there's been some recovered uh, remains that have been found over the course of time and things of that sort. Yeah, supposedly they found some at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and it was all covered up back mm. in the te- back in the 19 teens. Correct. And uh, but you know uh, here's my thought about the giant about the giant theory. It's not out of the realm of possibility that that people were larger back then, and you know maybe it was maybe maybe uh, it was maybe not Homo sapiens, but maybe one of the uh, Neanderthals. Mm. Uh, maybe they were larger. We don't know, and maybe they weren't giants. Maybe they were a little bit bigger than we are now. Sure. So it's possible. Well, we know that there are modern giants, right? You know, you look at Andre the Giant. He had a medical condition. He did. Uh, I can't you ever hear the, about how much he used can't remember to drink. the name of it right now, but yeah, he drank a lot. Gigantism. So can you imagine gigantism. this? Imagine you're on a, a spec op, spec ops, and you're uh, you're clearing a cave. Mm. Do I have a motorcycle? And like an Andre the Giant, like a nineteen <laughs> circa nineteen seventy five Andre the Giant comes out dressed in like rags. Yeah, you remember how With he had the big bushy hair? Remember yeah, that? yeah, he was and scary. He, and looking. he comes out and he's grunting and holding a spear. What would I, you think? I would shoot him. That's what I would do. So I mean, it's possible. It's possible. But yeah, so the, the the Kandahar giant is what it's be, it's become known as, and there's lots of videos about it. Mm. Very very scant on on details. Like you can't exactly right. find out where it was, and you have to think if if a group of spec ops guys went missing, and then another group came, and then a helo group came. That's a lot of people. That story would have made its way out. Sure, you would think by now. Well, but again, you never know. It is what it is. All right, so we're gonna jump back into World War One real quick. Ooh, get a lot of World War One, World War Two stories. I've never been a big fan of World War One. No, I love it. No. Oh, I've always found it no, interesting. The helmets are weird. I don't like the helmets. Nah, it's, it's an interesting conflict, mm. uh, to say the least. Anyway, so during World War One, a Hungarian soldier, and his name was, <clears throat> you ready for this? Ready. Bella Kiss. Ooh, that's a cool name. It sounds like a. It sounds like an OnlyFans account. <laughs> it sounds like uh, uh, a day shifter at the uh, <laughs> Rhode Island Dolls. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he was a Hungarian man, as I stated, and he enlisted in the Hungarian army during World War One. They had uh, an army. They did. Oh. And he notified his landlord that he's going to be away for some time because he was landlord. going to combat. Who gets in a fight with his landlord? Eh, you know, you never anyway, know. Sorry, go ahead. So he left for the war. Uh, sometime later, apparently, the landlord, who I don't have his name. No, you don't have the landlord's name? I don't have his what name. kind of research do you do it's around probably, here? probably uh, Barry Wilson. What kind of Mickey Mouse operation is this? He heard that Kiss had died in combat. Oh. Bella Kiss had died. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to go to the house. I'm going to clean it out. I'm going to rent it to somebody else. Okay. So uh, he gets there. He, f- he arrives and he finds a house of horrors. Oh, my God. Walks in. Several bodies oh. in disarray, in, uh, supposedly preserved in al- bottles of alcohol. Ew. Bodies of women <laughs> strewn about the place. Uh, apparently, uh, they come to find out that Mr. Kiss had a, uh, a thing where he would like marry these women, uh-huh. and then he would steal their money, and he would kill them, oh, and he, it, but he'd keep their remains. Isn't that much like uh, H.H. Holmes? It is. Yes, it's story. a very similar story. Similar story. So apparently, despite uh, uh, an extensive search for Mr. Kiss to make sure that he was uh, deceased, uh, there were a few reported sightings, believe it or not, of him. Hmm. Uh, but he was never, never found again. Never. Never. Mr. Kiss. So it was a very, very uh, mysterious you know, figure. Speaking of which, you ever notice, in, in, and you can't really do it nowadays, but back in early, like World War One, Civil War even, 
you could enlist in the service, uh, and they really didn't ask very many questions nope. about where you were from, nope. How what old your are actual you? age was, <laughs> nope. or any no identifying documentation. You just kind of showed up, and they took you. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that these days. No. That's a pretty good screening process. There's a, a process. To uh, get you involved. You can get a waiver, though. I think there's some waivers. I had to get. get an intelligence waiver. You did. Yeah. I had to get a waiver for my flat feet. Me too. <laughs> yeah, anyway. anyway, so we're at the, the halfway point of the show here. Yes. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a, a quick uh, break, just a quick 30-second uh, musical interlude. Ooh, I love interludes. And, uh, and then we're going to come back, and uh, we're, we're gonna, I get a little uh, musical quiz from Mike that we're going we're gonna to get into I love today. musical quizzes because so, I'm not very smart. Stand by. All right, here we are. We're back again here on the uh, project. I really enjoyed that interview. Did you like it? It was nice. Yeah, you know, it is it's what nice it is. It's to break up the monotony of our it's show. It's good. It's good. You know, people, uh, they get sick of hearing us, I think. I get sick of hearing us. I get sick of hearing you. Mm. I get sick of looking at you. Do you like listening to the sound of your own voice? I always find it weird. Uh, you know what? Before, when I first got into this, no, I didn't. Mm. But now I don't mind it so much. You kind of right. get used to it. It's okay, I guess. Mm. Right. So... This next bit we're going to get into. Um, so we've talked about the Beatles here on the program before. Mm-hmm. We like the Beatles as a you, musical. You like act. the Beatles I more like than Beatles. I do. I like the Beatles. They're I appreciate right. appreciate them musically. Uh, it's really amazing what they were able to accomplish in such a short. Well, period I'm of time. not a musician, and I know that musicians revere the Beatles. Yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of things about about the early Beatles that many people don't know. For example, um, they had many different names. They started out as the Quarrymen, Ooh. and they had some other different names that they would go by. They had different members coming in and out of the band. Member. Um, one of the one of the the names that they went by was the Silver Beetles, but that was for a very short time. I don't think they officially the were Silver Beetles went by the name, but it was a name that they were tossing around. Oh. So this bit is harkens back to one of the early days. So instead of the Silver Beetles, the name of this bit is called the Metal Beetles. Okay. Okay. The Metal Beetles. Yes. Wonderful. Exactly. So what we're going to do here is, <laughs> and we actually um, many people don't don't realize that the the Beatles weren't just didn't always consist of John, Paul, George, and Ringo, right? No. There was a guy named Stuart Sutcliffe who was a bass player in the band early on. Uh, Pete Best was one of the original drummers who they fired. Why did they fire Pete Best? Uh, he wasn't a good drummer. Oh, uh, Sir neither George, is Ringo. Sir George Martin didn't like him. And it's funny funny you mentioned that, a quick Ringo drumming story. Mm-hmm. So they fire P- Pete Best. They bring Ringo in. Pete Best? Pete Best. <laughs> Pete Best. They bring Ringo in for some of the early sessions. Hello, my name's Ringo. And, uh, you know, George, the famous George Martin, who was their producer for many, many years. Okay. Didn't like Ringo either. So he brought in a session drummer named Andy White. What's a session drummer? Uh, a, a professional musician who comes in and plays on recordings. But they're not like in a band or whatever? Well, they could be, but they're not in that particular oh, I see. band. So anyway, Andy White was never officially part of the Beatles. But he came in and played on two early Beatles songs. One was Love Me Do, oh. and one was P.S. I Love You. So if you go and you listen to the, to the, to the recordings, the, the most famous of the recordings of those particular songs, that is not Ringo Starr playing. Mm. That is session drummer Andy White. Oh, okay. However, if you type in Ringo uh, Love Me Do, you can actually hear his version, and you can tell that they're a bit different. Okay. But anyway. To so, the untrained ear, probably to, not. To the untrained ear. So what this bit is going to be, Uh-oh. and I actually got one of the, and many people don't know this either, there was another famous Beatle by the name of uh, Maurice Bolden. Okay. Maurice. Maurice was a very uh, prominent member, influential member of the early Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, much like Ringo Starr, he changed his name and he went by Momo Golden. That's a cool name. So, Momo Golden. 
So Momo Golden, when the Beatles became real famous, kind of went into exile. He sounds like a lawyer in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> Call Momo Goldman. He'll get you off of everything. <laughs> so Mo- Momo went missing for many, many years. And uh, he just recently resurfaced, and I was able to get a hold of him online. Mm-hmm. And uh, he agreed to come in and help us with this bit. He's not here today. He came in previously and recorded these. Oh. These. So what it is is it's wow. That's cool that you were able to get yeah, such a high profile. I person. did. I didn't even have to pay him anything. Good for you. Well, you did. You gave him some services or something. So what service we're, exchange. What we're gonna do is we're going to play a a famous Beatles song. Okay, and I'll tell you what the famous Beatles song is beforehand. Okay, okay? and then Momo Golden is gonna come in, but he's gonna sing it. He's gonna sing it in a Beatles style, but he's gonna sing it. A, a different song, different lyrics to a famous metal or rock song. This is really confusing me. No, so it's it's the Beatles um, m- music. Okay. And he's going to sing a famous rock or so metal song. what do song. I have to do? You have to guess what the song is that he's trying to sing. Got it. You got it? Yeah, I don't know how well I'm going to do at this. Okay. Let me know when you're ready for the first I'm one. I'm ready to go. Let's go. All right. All right, here we go. Lashing out the action, returning the reaction We go ripping torn away Hypnotizing power, crushing all the cower A battery is here to stay Battery, oh yeah A battery, oh All right, so that was uh, that was Momo Golden <laughs> singing uh, a version of "I Want to Hold My Hold Your Hand," but it was a different mm, version. Yeah. Do you know the the famous metal song that 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 he was I think I to do sing? just because he said it a number of times. Okay. That would be "Battery" by Metallica. Ah, that's correct. Yeah. Good job. Good All right. Me. One for one. Yeah. Are you ready for the next? I'm one? ready. Let's go. Okay. All right. Let's get this set up here. And uh, like I said, Momo was a great guy. I appreciated him coming in. Yeah. He looks good uh, for being Is 97 years old. Yeah. All right. Here's here's the second one coming. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. Stand by. And we're rolling. She was a fast machine. She kept the motor clean. She was the best damn woman that I've ever seen. She had the sightless eyes telling me no lies. Knocking me out with those American thighs. Get back. All right, did you get the, so the Beatles song is Get Back. Yes. And some famous lyrics there. You kind of mashed them together, though. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. throw you off a little bit. Well, yeah. It's difficult to maintain, because you think it's going to go one way and yes. it doesn't. Yes, yes. But was... no, I think I got that one. Okay, which is? That's ACDC, You Shook Me All Night Long. You got it. Yeah. Wow, man, you're on a roll. Look at that. You're two for two. All right. All right, we got a couple more here. Okay. All right, so the next one's coming up. Yep. And here we go. Stand by, and we're rolling. At home, drawing pictures of mountaintops With him on top, lemon yellow sun Arms raised in a V And the dead lay in pools of maroon below. Are you getting it? Yeah, I think I got you it. You got it already? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's... All 
All right, so you got that. You got that one early, which yeah. is what do you think? That's gonna be Jeremy by Pearl Jam. You got it. Yeah. That was what was the Beatles song? Did you catch oh, that? Oh uh, yeah, that's um, a day in the life. That's correct. Ah, look at that. See? Dang man, you Pretty are good. you are cooking today. So you should have asked me what the Beatles song too. That makes it harder. Oh okay. But you didn't do that. All right. Why so, don't we do one more? All right, one more. Okay. All right, here we go. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Okay, I got it. Some of those. You got that one? That yeah, I got it. All right, you didn't even have to finish that one either. Nope, nope. Okay. So the, the Beatles song the is Yesterday. It is. And the lyrics are from Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. That is correct. Look at that. Wow. See? You went four for four. You know what? I want to thank Momo. Yes. Momo Goldman for coming in here and, and laying. Momo Golden. Oh, I thought it was Goldman. No, no, Golden. Momo Golden. <laughs> for coming in and laying down those tracks. Yeah. Good for you. He's actually uh, not too far. He doesn't live too far. Oh, I want to yeah, say hi. South I wanted, Dakota. I want to party with that guy. All right. Well, anyway, so today's topic, we're discussing military paranormal weird stuff. Yeah. And uh, we, we talked a few, about a few different things. And uh, now we are going to go back to the wonderful world of Afghanistan. Back to Afghanistan. Yep. Let's do it. Do you know where Helmand province is? Yeah. I don't. That's in Afghanistan. Yeah. Helmand province. So do you know what an OP is in military terminology? It would be an observation, observation post. post. Sure. Yeah. So in Helmand province, there's a marine ob- observation post known as OP Rock, Ooh. which is a pretty cool name. Does it look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? That would be cool. What was it? Did you know? Okay. Trivia question yep. for you. What was the Rock's nickname before it was the Rock in WWE wrestling? I didn't know he had a nickname before that. He did. He actually had a couple of them. I'll give you one of them. Okay. He was known as Rocky Maivia. Oh, I think I heard of that. That was one. And then he was actually known as something before that, and I, it is escaping me. But anyway, I liked watching The Rock wrestle. Mm. I don't really like The Rock anymore. No, as he's much. jumped the shark. He's kind of out there. But anyway, so there's this place called OP, OP Rock, which has been occupied by U.S. Marines for a number of years, and intermittently with forces from the United Kingdom. Supposedly, the locals in the area won't go near it due to its reputation of being haunted. Ooh. Turns out that near OP Rock, there is a mass grave of Russian soldiers that was found, uh, back, uh, so the the Mujahideen executed a bunch of Russian prisoners back in the eighties. You know, the, Afghanistan's been in, invaded and occupied for a long time, centuries. Yeah, and and it just keeps you know people keep going in there and getting mired down. And you figured we would learn, learn by now and not do that. Are the Yusuf Zai still part of the uh, the, the warring factions? The there? Yusuf Zai, they're yeah. our allies. Okay. So anyway, so there was a, a mass grave of Russian soldiers in the area, and the locals believe that the uh, because of that. The area is haunted. And even before that, the place around OP Rock was supposedly haunted by jinn. You know what jinn are? Ah, genie. It's like genies, except evil. Right. They're not very nice. Uh, evil genies. Not not nice genies. Like, do you remember my, I Dream of Genie? Oh. oh, she was so hot. You know, there was a controversy back then. They couldn't show her belly button. Oh. If you go back and look at the old shows, they had to cover up she was just above the belly woman. button. Is she dead? Barbara Eden. No, I think she's still alive. She she's was like a good-looking 90, lady. 7,000. Probably not good-looking anymore. No. Anyway, so evil genies supposedly occupy the hills around OP Rock. So, one night, several years ago, a Marine unit sets up a remote OP. So, they got a, they got another couple of guys that they send out um, and, and their own listening post. Listening post, observation post, mm-hmm. OP, OP. They used to call it OP, OP. I don't know if they still call it that. 
And the, the job of those two dudes is to just watch. There's just two of them, so they're not supposed to engage anybody. They're just supposed to go out there and listen. So they, they go out there, and then this lieutenant's leading this patrol, so he sets, a, he sets up an ambush with some claymores and uh, in like a natural defile. You know what a defile is? Uh, I've, I've defiled a few in my yes, day. Yes, you have. But a defile in military terms is like a small space that people will have to walk through due to the geography. So right. let's say there's like a, a mountain pass or something. Anyway, this one was a a uh, dry riverbed. So they set up an ambush and they, they got these, these two guys out on OP and the Lieutenant's looking through his NVGs night vision goggles to those of you who are uninitiated. And he sees some movement in the area of the dry riverbed. He sees about 10 to 12 uh, white clad figures mm. moving through the area. Now this is odd because his two guys that are out on OP should have seen this and reported back in, right. but they didn't. So he calls them on the radio and he says, Hey, uh, you know, I got these, I got this movement over here. What what is it? You know they they just walk right past you. What is that? And the two guys respond and they say, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody walked past us. So at this point, he thinks they're full of crap. Yeah, probably sleeping. Maybe they on fell post. asleep or yeah. something like that, right? So the lieutenant looks through his NVGs and he clearly sees these guys walking towards him, mm. uh, and they walk right past the, the OP. So they don't know what to do. The lieutenant, because lieutenants a lot of times don't know what to do. So after the figures got to a certain point, he figures, okay, they're they're too close to us now. I gotta have to engage these guys. So the lieutenant shoots, the Afghanis that he's with are shooting, the U.S. troops are shooting, everybody's mm. lighting this area up, they set off the claymores. Now, anything that's in this um, in this area of the dry riverbed is going to be basically Swiss cheese, right? Yes. They've been shooting it for, you know, a number of seconds. So they, st- they call a ceasefire, and the lieutenant goes out to assess the damage. So he gets down to the dry riverbed, and he finds nothing. Mm. There was nobody there. There was no figures there was no people there was no equipment there was no nothing no blood no nothing. drag marks nope, nothing nothing and so this is uh, you know you have to start wondering what the hell did he see through <laughs> the night vision yeah. goggles and then you, this brought when i was reading this story in this this account I, I think back of when when i used to do patrols and i'm sure you used to do it too you know after you've been looking through night vision for a num- for a while you start to see weird stuff right mm-hmm. like you start having your eyes start hurting and maybe you see things that you don't see yeah uh, especially if you're if you've been out, you know you're tired. Maybe you've been on a couple of days patrol. So maybe it was, maybe it was a fatigue. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know it, it is possible to be able to you know to for their the eyes to kind of play tricks on you. But that seems very very uh, de- de- defined yes, to me as far as what he was seeing. And he was very yeah he was very adamant that he saw, um, and he called them uh, military age males. Hmm. Uh, so you have to wonder what did he see? Um, I don't know. Hmm. So that's like a weird story. OP Rock is supposedly haunted. Nobody likes to go there. Hmm. But again, you're in the military, especially in the Marine Corps. You're not going to tell somebody you're not going. Here's the thing, though. Here's my take on it, right? Mm-hmm. You're already in a combat area, mm-hmm. right? Uh, very dangerous for real people. Yeah. <laughs> for real people, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the level of danger from the enemy is great, mm-hmm. right? You could be killed or wounded or something sure. serious could happen. Sure. Are ghosts your most you know, are, are that much of a concern for you? Like, if you no. think about it, right? In reality, like, have you ever heard of a confirmed kill by a ghost? I've no. never heard of such a thing. No, but you, but but the level, like, you, to your point, the level of superstition and and fear, it seems like it would be higher for ghosts than it would be for people that can actually kill you. Mm. So you have to wonder why that is. Yeah, why is that? Maybe because you can't kill them. You can't kill them. And, it's, and it's unexplained. Your weapons are, your weapons are useless against them. They are. Mm. So I'm going to jump. Are you done with that one? I'm done with that one. Okay. You ever heard of the mysterious case of Flight 19? 
Mm, is that the flight where they didn't have any beverages or peanuts? Mm. Because that's really confusing. They don't give you any of that stuff anymore. They don't give you anything. On a COVID plane. No, I haven't been on a COVID. Have you been on a COVID plane? I have. Last year I went. I haven't been anywhere yeah. since the start. And here's why it's a scam. It's a total it's total nonsense, right? No, don't get me wrong. People are sick and there's, yes. a, there's this illness going around and there is people are illness. getting ill and dying. Yep. But they social distance you in line at the airport. Yep. And then they crowd you into a tuna can <laughs> with wings, and you're sitting around all kinds of strange people on the plane. Do, do they not? I heard that they don't give you alcohol anymore, even if like they don't have that available anymore. Well, I just take my own. I, I, I smuggle How are you in. able to do that? My butt. You go to the, <laughs> your prison purse? You know, if you go to the duty, you ever shop at the duty-free shop? What's, what is what duty? the hell is duty? It's nothing. It's a couple bucks. Hey, I'm going to tell a quick, uh, before I jump into Flight 19, I want to oh. tell a quick strange airport story. I like airports. This is a paranormal Do you like event. airports? I like airports. Not really. So... I was flying, actually, I think Mike was with me at the time. Oh, Lord. We were flying from mainland Japan mm-hmm. back to uh, Konos, uh-huh. which is the continental United States for those who don't know. Yes. And we were in uh, Kansai International Airport mm-hmm. in Osaka, Japan. And it's not like your average everyday American airport where you have, uh, <laughs> you know, every kind of food and beverage Anything that you, you want, can think right? of. Yeah. No, it w- wasn't like that at all. No. And we hadn't eaten in several hours. <laughs> I was starving. We were both starving. So we went up to the only thing that looked like it was serving some sort of food item. It was a strange Japanese-run... Uh, looked like a deli. Deli counter of some yeah, sort. Yeah. And I couldn't. we couldn't identify anything in the glass case, uh, except for <laughs> something that looked potentially like a hot dog. Yes. It was long and cylindrical, mm-hmm. and it was in like a bun kind of thing. You like your meats in tubular form. Yeah. So uh, we just pointed and said, I'll, we'll take that uh, dog-looking thing. Yep. And uh, took one bite of it, and there was a long, hard, like white... <laughs> Stick running through the length <laughs> of this thing. It's like a like a like a cartilage. What was it? It was cartilage. <laughs> I don't know what it was. And it wasn't a bun. It was a, cr- it was a crunchy hot dog. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was even stranger than the hot dogs that we get. No, and it, it, and then they gave us fish for a cold fish for oh. the for the flight. Oh. I remember that. No, not good. That wasn't good. Anyway, uh, strange case of flight nineteen. Mm. All right, this is uh, this happened on December fifth, nineteen forty five. Oh, uh, just just after uh, World War two. Right. And uh, there were five Grumman TBM Avenjo torpedo bombers. Torpedo bombers. Uh, collectively known as Flight 19. Uh, and basically, they went out on a training exercise training. From, uh, from a base in Florida. Mm-hmm. And they went out across the, uh, cro- towards the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were supposed to go around, do some uh, you know, training things, mm-hmm. and go out into the water and come back and come back at some point. But apparently, they never did come back. Oh. And they could never really figure out what happened. They had got some... Uh, How many ra- planes were there? Five. Five planes. There were some radio transmissions. Uh, it appeared as though that the, uh, the, the flight leader, who was uh, Lieutenant, Navy Lieutenant Charles Taylor, oh. uh, he got, it appeared he was getting disoriented, mm-hmm. um, but his, his navigation equipment, for some reason, it was, it was on the fritz. His GPS wasn't working. Didn't have GPS. I know. Um, but he was fl- they were flying into what we would call the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, uh, and so there's a lot of, you know, that's a story or a show all on its own and the mysterious yeah. things and some of the theories that cause instrumentation to kind of go haywire. I like the, Ber- the Bermuda Triangle. We should do a show on that one. We day. should do it. We yeah. should do a show. Yep. But anyway, so they went out and they never came back. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of theories as to what happened. Um, they try to uh, analyze some of the radio, the last, uh, you know, bits of radio communications. That Did was, they ever find any of the wreckage? They never anything? found any of the wreckage. Never found it. Oh. And apparently there was a uh, there was a flying a mariner flying boat which was deployed to the area flying to search for the missing boat. planes, but that plane also vanished. Wow! Uh, and, and which was never never seen from. So there were twenty seven men and six aircraft total that were wow. that were lost. How many guys were on the flying boat? A lot. Jeez, that's so, a lot of feet. Was Captain Steubing on there? Was there was <laughs> Isaac? Isaac? 
Gopher. What did what was Julie? What was Gopher's uh, go- role? What did he? He was do? a gopher. Oh, he just went around. He went around gophering things. Oh, because gophers go. You like the love boat? No, I liked Isaac. He was cool. Yeah, he had an afro, and he's he's the bartender. And there was always guests there. One day I'll sing for you the uh, the love boat theme. Mm. It's pretty good. We had a uh, the clam boat. We had a yeah we had a sponsor last year called the clam boat. That That's right. Was kind of a lot like of fish esque items. Welcome to the clam boat. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. So. Like we said, so the Bermuda Triangle is quite interesting. There's mm. a lot of theories. You know, scientists will play it off as uh, just anomalies and that uh, there's nothing really happening there. But if you look at the number of planes that have gone down, shipwrecks mm. that have happened mm-hmm. uh, in that particular area of the uh, Atlantic Ocean, mm. uh, there's definitely something going on there. And it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? So the, what is it? Yeah, so what do they think? Well, the Earth is magnetic. Yep. The Earth has magnetic fields. There's possibly potentially places... Uh, around the Earth, where that magnetic field gets askew, and and, and for some plane reason, plane instrumentation uses that exactly. magnetic field correct for, for navigation. Yeah, so I think this was a case, in my opinion, was a case of uh, they went out. Uh, I think he started to lose his bearing. Mm-hmm. I think that the his instrumentation was off, mm-hmm. and you got the heaves again. I do. Uh, I can't help it. Stop it. And uh, and then they just went off in the wrong direction, ran out of fuel, and they crash landed into okay, the ocean. Okay, but let's say you're okay. So Lieutenant Taylor, yep, is leading the the uh, the flight. Yep. And let's say you're uh, uh, Ensign Johnson, who knows notices that you're going off in the wrong direction. Does he not say anything? Does he not try to communicate and say, <clears throat> "Well, there hey, was some communication along the wrong way, along that way, along that line, mm-hmm. along those lines, I should say." Um, but you you're never gonna go. I guess in that case, you would never leave your flight, right? No. There's five five planes going in the same direction. Yeah, you wouldn't just take off on your own and, and go off and by that, yourself. That that uh, area is much too large to have an effective search, right? But especially back then, where you didn't have like satellite coverage, right? And, things and of it, that sort. It, you know, and if you figure too, you're if you're going to crash land, your chances of survival are probably greater if you go down together as opposed to by and yourself. Together you could fight off the sharks. You know that kind of thing. That would be my biggest fear. Would be sharks. I don't like sharks. No, especially it's like if in the middle of the ocean. That would suck. Mm. I don't want that to happen. Anyway, yeah. What so do you got? All right. So we we talked about uh, you know we've gone through the different uh, world wars areas eras and whatnots. I'm gonna go further back than you could possibly imagine. Oh. Well, not really because that would be like really a long time ago. But we are gonna go back to the year of our Lord 1675. Oh, that's a long time ago. That was before even uh yeah before even I was born and before hygiene. No, they had hygiene. They did. Sure. Oh. They used to scrape themselves with uh, sticks. <laughs> that's how they would wash. Sounds anyway, fun. So, September 1st, 1675, we're in the height of King Philip's War. Are you familiar with King Philip's War? Ah, yes. A lot of people are not. It was actually the bloodiest war per capita in American history. A lot of people don't know that. And and there's there's a not a lot of scholarship about King Philip's War, and mm. I know because I've I've been classically trained as a historian. Oh. Uh, but there's not a lot of I mean there's there's a lot of information but you actually search for it. So, uh, we're going to go out to Hadley, Massachusetts. You ever hear of Hadley? I've never been there. It's way out in the boonies. Well, kind of. Western Massachusetts. So it's, it's September 1st, 1675. Uh, the residents of Hadley are enjoying a wondrous fall day in New England. Uh, the town folk were all gathered in the church, as one did back in the day, before there was online gambling and Netflix and mm. all of that stuff. So what did you have to do all day? You go to church. Why not? All of a sudden... Hostile Indians emerged from the woodline and started attacking the town. Now, it's important to note that such attacks were common back then, and atrocities were prevalent on all sides. So, you know, the, the Englishmen would attack an Indian village and they'd kill women and kids, and right. the Indians would come and kill women and kids and burn houses down. And such was the King Philip's War. Yes. It was kind of like that. It was a bunch of different uh, frontier conflicts. So, the town starts getting attacked, and... Uh, 
the Indians surround the town. They start jacking people up, Whoop, whooping and hollering and throwing spears and cool. whatnots. Chop, chopping people's skull, yeah, uh, skulls a, open. With, a, with their uh, hatchets. All of a sudden, out of the chaos and smoke, an old man wearing outdated military attire and carrying an old-style sword emerged and started organizing defense of the town. Like, outdated meaning like the Crusades? Because that was a long time ago, 16-something. It just says outdated, so I don't know. So he started yelling at people. He made gestures, probably swore a few times, you know, that kind of thing. And ultimately, he was able to rally the colonists and repel the enemy assault through fire and close combat. Did he call them poltroons? He probably did. He He called them all poltroons. And just as the last Indian faded into the brush, the old man vanished. Hmm. So... Some say that he was an angel sent by God to protect the colonists from those godless heathens, the Indians. He was became known as the Angel of Hadley. Hmm. Uh, but lo, there's some evidence that this story actually might be true. Oh. If you can imagine. I want to hear it. Yeah. So it turns out that, as you know from your English history, right? You studied English history. Ah. Probably not so much. Back in the day, King Charles I was overthrown and executed during the English Civil War in 1649. Mm-hmm. So now we're in about 25 years before... Yep. Uh, uh, the, the Angel of Hadley incident. So he was deposed and executed in 1649. About 10 years later, the monarchy was restored and Charles II took over. So all the dudes that had something to do with the overthrow of Charles I suddenly were outlaws because, you know, that's what happens when you... Uh, it just happened I was going to say, uh, just, US election. it's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> so all these dudes that were part of the, uh, the overthrow of the government have prices on their heads. And one of those dudes was a former military officer by the name of William Goff. Not related to Jared Goff, who I don't like. He just got traded to Detroit Lions. Detroit? Detroit, baby. It's over Detroit. I don't really like Jared Goff. I don't like Detroit. No. I've been, you haven't been to Detroit? It's terrible. It's terrible. It's like a third world nation. Anyway. So William Goff was one of the folks who had signed the execution warrant for King Charles I. So where would you go if in 60, you're in 1660, right, in England, and you had to flee? You got a price on your head. You got to exit. You got to get uh, leave the country. You got to go away. So how about New England? Yes. Sure, why not? It's like a frontier. You could probably blend in pretty mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. So William Goff and another conspirator by the name of Edward Whaley supposedly fled to America and were hiding out in western Massachusetts around the same time uh, that, that uh, Hadley was attacked by the Indians. So... Was William Goff the guy who came, a former military officer and politician, came out, organized the defense, really didn't want anybody to know he was there because he's mm. got a price, still got a price on his head, and disappears back into the, uh, into the shadows. No, I think it was more supernatural. You think it was supernatural? I do. So you'd rather believe that an angel appeared yep. and did that rather well, than a guy who was hiding there. It's the angel of Hadley. That's the name <laughs> of the story. It's not uh, old uh, Billy Goff saves the world kind of thing. I don't think anybody named Goff could save the world. No. That's just, if you're born with that name. You know what I find amazing is, you know, if you go out to West, like, for example, we'll just take Western Mass because that's what we're talking about right now. And you Mm -hmm. go out there now, it's pretty remote. It's out there, yeah. Imagine what it was like in 1630 or 1640. Yeah, it was wilderness. Like, how do you even get out there? How do you navigate? It's just amazing. I don't know. You you know, you do a lot of walking. No A lot of walking. No. No. So anyway, that's the Angel of Hadley story. All right. I got one more. Why don't we do one more? This is a quick one because we're coming up on an hour. Yep. So you've heard of the Vietnam War. I have heard Vietnam of it. Vietnam conflict. I've heard of it, yes. Uh, police action. You know, early 60s to mid-70s. Why call it a police action? Well, we were over there. Stupid. Arresting people. Minding, not ways. minding our own business, that's for sure. So anyway, the Vietnam War, which is a, uh, you know, it was a long war. It was the longest war in U.S. history up until the Afghanistan War. Mm-hmm. Uh, 58,000 Americans or so were killed. Yikes. Countless uh, Vietnamese and... Uh, Chinese folks were killed as well. 
Um, but apparently there was a mystery. Well, there was a lot of different strange things that happened over there, obviously, I bet there as, were. We can, as we can imagine. Sure. But one of the strangest things that you could ever possibly imagine was that uh, both sides, the Vietnamese and the American soldiers, claimed to uh, be attacked, were being attacked by large ape-like creatures. Wow. Yes. Sasquatches? Well, what's interesting about that is that Vietnam doesn't have any apes that are known... There's no apes in They're known to, uh, uh, you know, biologists. And None could have sauntered sort. over from mainland Asia? I don't know. Probably not. Yetis? That's what I, that's, this, this is the story. Stick with you me. You think they saunter? I saunter? they saunter. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, real quick, before I go into that. <laughs> one of the most compelling Yeti videos I've ever seen. You could probably Google it. It's probably, it, it, I'm sure it's all over the interwebs if you just type in the right uh, uh, keywords. Yep. There were these two uh, uh, extreme mountaineer guys, hiker guys, that were up in the up in the extreme uh, mountains of I forget what uh, Himalayan. I think something like wrong with those people. Himalayan country, if you're a mountaineer. Or but anyway, you're climbing mountains. They're on top of this mountain. There's snow and peaks everywhere. It's Ooh, not like twin peaks. It's not a well traveled area. It was very remote. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, they're these video they're videotape uh, recording, not videotaping. Yes. They see a dark figure way down in the valley. Okay. In this, and it's like probably two three feet of snow. Mm-hmm. And this figure, which is very tiny from the distance starts scaling this mountain oh. at a very high speed. Like Does not Spider-Man. S- yeah, exactly. Doesn't slow down at all. On two oh. feet, starts going up the mountain and just disappears in, uh, over the over the. Uh, Maybe the top. it was Slenderman. Unbelievable. That's what it looks like. Oh. It's crazy. It's the craziest thing See, I've ever Slenderman seen. Slenderman freaks me out. I know it's made up. Yeah. And we, did we ever talk about Slenderman? No. We, one day we're going to talk about internet creations because Slenderman scares the crap out of me. I don't like that story. But anyway, mm. sorry, go ahead. So anyway, apparently troops on both sides had often reported exchanging blows with a group of human-like creatures. Kind of blows? Who had, like you talked about earlier, reddish hair, mm. uh, ape-like features. Oh. And as I said, uh, there isn't a single known species of ape in Vietnam. No. Um, lowland gorillas. You like the lowland gorillas, don't you? I do. They're cool. So anyway, this this is it's hundred foot long snake reported. Yeah. Uh, apparently, in, in Vietnam, uh, Vietnamese folklore, there's a uh, there's a creature known as the bull eater, and yeah. I don't know how to say that in Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Bull next, eater. I, I'll uh, translate that next week, and I'll get back to you. Okay, good. So just as a comparison, the largest snake ever recorded was a reticulated python named Medusa, who was about wow. twenty five feet two inches long. So that's it. I saw a movie with Ice Cube in it, and it was an anaconda that was like 100 feet long. Yeah. And that was real. Jennifer Lopez was in it. She was. And there's some gratuitous scenes where she's all wet. That was an early Jennifer Lopez movie yes. uh, uh, appearance. Yes. So anyway, ape-like creatures in the in the, in the, the mountains and uh, jungles of Vietnam, 100-foot snakes. I don't know why. That's weird. You know, and just to summarize. Lots of weird there's stuff. There's no shortage of strange shenanigans. No. That happen. You know, and you take them with a grain of salt. I think some of them... As we stated before in previous shows, a lot of these are based in reality, right? They're stories that originate from an actual event that occurred. Right. And I think sometimes they manifest into different things over the course of time. Well, one thing that I actually remember at the beginning of the show, I talked about uh, our friends Brent and Luke uh, in their their new show from the Black Lodge conversations. Um, They discuss something similar where a story starts, like you said, that has a baseline in reality, and then... You know, the story gets more and more, as it gets told, it begins to take on a, a life of its own. And some people think you can actually speak stories into existence, speak, mm. manifest things, mm. which is part of uh, an, uh, an exciting documentary that we are working on currently. That is correct. With, with the uh, fine folks at Hermit Light Media. So, uh, some exciting things coming up. Yeah. Um, we, we're working on some uh, guests to get on the show. You know, we had a we had a guest kind of lined up, and it fell through. Fell through? Through uh, no fault of our own. No. But uh, we will... 
continue to beat the bushes. For, for you seemed excited, to, and then to come wasn't on the excited sh- to so. come on the show. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can go to our parent site, which is hermitlight.com, h e r m i t l i g h t dot com. Uh, you can also find us on any of the which you found us today. Because if you're listening now, you found us today. Show suggestions. If you have something yep. you want to hear us ramble on about, yep. Call. Uh, you can email. Let us gu- know. The guys at hermitlight.com. And uh, other than that, you got anything else you need to say? Yeah, well, you know, and you can still reach us at the Eon Project at yahoo.com if you choose to. Nobody uses yahoo.com anymore. So we're up on all the major sites now. Yep. Uh, we finally got the uh, the iTunes thing figured out. Yeah, if out. you're listening to it like, and you like the show, drop us a, a review on whatever podcast site that you listen to because it does help us out uh, quite a bit. And uh, you're getting all this entertainment free of charge. Just, just know that. Exactly. Anything else? Nope. Okay. Just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it.